This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 57, uh, part two, I guess, right? Part one was with... with well, 57, 57 part one. It's 57, but it's 56 part two. 56, we want to get 56, technical. 56 part two. Okay. Because this is like, this is normally our North Meet South week. It will still be our North Meet South week. It's just that right now we have to do the news for Laravel News because we... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had in our first part, we talked to Mr. Ian Landsman about Lara Talent and some of the other cool stuff, and actually some more of the history of Laravel and et cetera, et cetera. So we didn't actually get to record the news. So it is now a Thursday night, and I actually just woke up. I did. True story. <laughs> Michael laughing. It's true. I was like, it was 9.30. No, no, no. It was 10 o'clock. A little, almost, it was almost 10 o'clock, and I was like, all right, I'll take a quick nap. Get up. I'm an old man. (laughs) 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 And that was supposed to be up at 1030. Um, And then at 1048, Michael like messages me and is like, are you sleeping again? (laughs) Guilty. No, no, no. Except you were. I was sleeping. I was actually like, I hit my snooze and I was just Uh, waiting for the snooze button to go off. So anyway, mm -hmm. (laughs) likely story. Yeah. Likely story. My wife messaged me and she's like, when are you recording? I'm in like 10 minutes. And then about 30 minutes after that, I'm like, you will never uh, guess where Jake is. And she's like, is he asleep? I'm like, it's quite possible. <laughs> uh, yes, I was sleeping. Hey, sue me, okay? Mm. I've got kids who don't sleep all through the night. Oh, I will. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will sue you. Oh, oh I'll sue you because that's a thing that happens in your oh, country. Oh, come on. You Aussies, you Aussies. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and get started, jump in on the news here. So last time we left off at... Sorry. All right, so let's take a look at that. So 5.6 came out since the last time we talked. Uh, well, since the last time that we actually did the news portion of it because it was just before Laracon Online the last time we talked. So 5.6 is here. Mm-hmm. If you were able to participate in Laracon Online, raise your hand if that was you, me, I'm raising my hand. Michael's got his half raised because he hasn't watched all the videos yet. Not yet. We were uh, privileged, is that the right word? Probably, to hear Taylor kind of talk about the different improvements on 5.6. So he went through all of this. Uh, So there's a handy little button on your uh, podcast thing. It's a 15-second skip. Press it about four times and you should be good if you don't want to hear any of this. Okay, so the first thing that we've got is logging improvements. So they've got logging configuration now, which apparently was really difficult to set up before. So monologue is kind of what goes on behind the scenes. But now you you can get to all your logging configs straight through logging.php, which is in your config directory. So you configure uh, different stacks that can send log messages to multiple handlers. Uh, so you can send all debug messages to a system log, and then you can send all error logs to Slack, which is interesting. So this is... Um, not something that you could do easily uh, before. Maybe the way that you were doing it is, and this is the way I do it, is in my report, 
uh, I'm sorry, in my handler.php, you have a report method in there and you can send that to like a bug tracking service and then you can integrate with your bug tracking service to send you any error, uh, error things straight to Slack, which is what I'm doing. Uh, but mm -hmm. this kind of gets you all the way around that. So you don't have to anymore kind of go that long way around. You can instead just have this send you directly messages straight from your Laravel application. So it's pretty cool. So there's a lot of cool stuff yeah. that you can do with configuring and customizing logs there. And uh, uh, it's all in the document documentation out there for 5.6. Yeah, it certainly makes it a lot easier, especially if you want to report different things to different mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. um, you might want to log that you had a, a new sign-up or a new sale or something. You might want to send that to a Slack channel so everyone in your company can see it. So the stacks really make it a lot easier to manage that. I think the, the logging improvements have been a long time coming. People have sort of been talking about the deficiencies in that area for, for quite a while. And so being able to handle them in a nice way uh, is really good. I think there was someone who was specifically responsible for a lot of, of these changes. And then obviously Taylor worked on them and, and massaged them into the the Laravel kind of level of quality that that we've all come to love and expect. Um, but there was there was someone that was that I'm specifically recalling. Yeah. That Taylor called out. Yeah, I don't um, remember who it was. Then. Froggy. Froggy. Froggy is his name. Uh, is his handle? So it's Leo Leo Sjurberg. Uh He's living in the United States. Um, so thank you to Froggy. For, for all the, the time and effort that he put into getting this to a place where uh, Taylor was happy to massage it and get it into the framework. It's going to certainly make things a lot simpler for a lot of lot of different people, especially with that single place of configuring yep. logging now. Absolutely. Uh, I don't have any apps on 5.6 just yet, so I'm looking forward to getting one on there so I can kind of mess with this a little bit. Um, Michael, why don't you talk? We mm -hmm. already, we've actually already talked about dynamic rate limiting in a previous show. Uh, we talked just a little bit about this single, yeah. single server task scheduling though and where, where we might use something like that. Yeah, so the single server task scheduling is something that we sorely needed at my last job where we were processing incoming video requests and we're handling webhooks from external services and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we often ran into issues with jobs overlapping. So we used to run one on odd minutes on one server and we would then run the scheduler on a second server because we were in a, a HA setup, a high availability setup, would run on the uh, the odd minutes. Even. One was on even, odd, yeah. one was on even, yep. right? Yeah, even minutes. Yep, so one would run at two, four, six, eight, ten, et cetera, minutes, and then the other one would run at one, three, five, seven, and so on and so forth. But we would still from time to time get collisions, so we had to implement our own level of locking in the database to say that this job has already been handled by something else, so there's no need for the next scheduler run to come in and deal with that. So what we've got in Laravel 5.6 is built-in single-server task scheduling, so it's very simple to get up and running whenever, wherever you're defining your commands uh, in your, you know, your scheduled commands. All you need to do is append uh, arrow on one server and that will take care of doing this on just the one server. Now, it's important to note that you need to be using a central memcache server or a Redis cache in order for this to work. And that will then secure the lock to make sure that the task only runs on one server at a time. So it's no good if you've got two servers and you're using like a database cache or if you're using file-based caching, you need to use Redis or Memcache for this to work effectively. Yeah, which is good. I mean, 
you know, the nice thing is that any forge boxes that you're going to provision come with all that right out of the box. So super easy to set up if yep. you're using, um, you know, it's not like they intentionally make this this way, but it's just, it's made, it's made super easy if you use something mm -hmm. like forge because your box is already provisioned with all the stuff that you need in order to take advantage of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Yep. Like I guess sure. we've already talked about dynamic rate limiting. You can catch uh, more about that in our previous episode. Uh, we also have broadcast mm -hmm. channel classes. So, so with broadcast channel classes, what it was before is in, there's a channels.php file that was like in your routes slash channels.php file. And what you could do in there is you could define mm -hmm. in there uh, the way that you would authenticate somebody for a private channel. So you might, if you're using Echo or something, for instance, so you broadcast an event and that event is going to be broadcast on a channel and then that is sent through to your front end to Echo for what's listening for it. So what you would have to do is if you're using a channel there uh, in your channels.php file, you'd have to define a little closure that would accept the user and then uh, any items that you are passing through as attributes for that event and then you could do uh, some logic in there to authenticate that the person that's listening on that channel is actually authorized to listen on that channel, on that particular channel. So you'd have to do that for every single channel that you had. And so now what you have the ability to do is you have the ability to, instead of defining a closure for each one of those, you can now define a class for it. And we've got this in a couple other places in Laravel where we've done similar things, where instead of having to reference you know, six different functions, you can just say, hey, go look at this class for any of these related functions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's something you can check out if uh, you're utilizing Echo and broadcasting extensively. Yeah, it's it's a nice way to sort of separate and consolidate that functionality rather than, it's, it's great in simple cases that you can use the closures inside that routes file and in other places in the framework, but where possible when it starts to get a bit unwieldy and you've got a lot of definitions in there and things like that, it's generally better to start considering whether or not you need to extract that just to keep those those files nice and lean. Yep, yep. yep. Um, let's blow through the rest of these because we're taking a little bit too long on this. Will you, will you talk to us real quick about API controller generation? So with the Artisan Make Controller sort of generator, previously you were able to just generate your classes. And, and, and at one stage in previous versions of Laravel, it would automatically create a resource and then it got changed you know, so I had it had the index and create and show and edit and all those methods in there. And then it was changed at some point to just make plain controllers. Now we've brought the ability to create resource controllers for your APIs. And what that will do is we'll expose all of those methods by default, except the create and edit actions, which are obviously in an API not not useful. Um, you know, you don't have a, a view in your API to create or edit things. You just send post request or patch request or put request directly to the relevant endpoints. So uh, this is just a, a generator that, that shortcuts that process for you. And it's just a matter of passing dash dash API to the make controller artisan yep. command. We've also got eloquent date casting. I thought this was kind of cool. So now you can individually customize the format of eloquent dates and date time casting. So mm -hmm. it uses the existing casts property on any of your models. So if you say protected casts and then you name the key of whatever it is that's uh, being returned as a column. Uh, so for example, birthday, or you could do created at or updated at, then what you can do is 
you can specify date and then colon and then the actual date format that you would like that returned in. So say, for example, you would always like birthday returned as just month day. You could say date colon M dash D. And then anytime mm -hmm. that your model retrieves that birthday, it's going to essentially provide you almost like an accessor, I guess, is kind of what I would say, right? It's going to kind of do some yeah. transformation yeah. on that on the fly. And it really what it does is it just grabs that date time as it normally would and then just uh, calls format on it yep. and provides you back whatever format it is that you provide it in your casts property. Now, I had had a pull request out there. I'm not mad. I'm not mm -hmm. mad. <laughs> no. I heard about, I yeah, heard yeah, about yeah. this. So there's quite a bit of drama, whatever. And the people were not happy. Where I'd basically said, oh, it'd be cool if you could do casts on this and then say date and then diff for humans. Um, there's a lot of times where I've wanted mm -hmm. to use something like that where that's really the only way that I care to provide it back to my front end is uh, diff for humans. And of course, the argument is, well, that's a, you know, that's a presentation layer concern. I get that. Totally get that. Mm -hmm. uh, however, mm -hmm. so is this usually, right? Yeah. I think it's not generic enough necessarily sure. to have the diff for humans, whereas being able to generically specify arbitrary date and time formats would be more useful, I think, to more yeah, people. Yeah, true story. Um, and that's where we fall back to our accesses and mutators. Yeah. In any case, it got turned down. So that's okay. That's okay. No big deal. You can always implement it. That's like my pull request for pluralizing or handling the pluralization of Lego properly. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. What else we got here? We got three more things. Talk to us about blade component aliases. We talked about it. Okay. About so blade component aliases. This is just basically if you store like a little partial for yourself in views slash components, so it's like a magic, it's like a magic directory. Okay. So if you are in resources, views, components, and you put something in there, uh, a little partial, uh, usually what you could do is you could say include components slash alert or something like that, or components dot alert. Right. But now there is like a shortcut method to do that. instead of an alias where you can just say at component. So it's a new directive. You just say at component alert, and that will push in your uh, alert component. So it's just a little convenience method. It's not really anything special. It's just kind of a little little magic dust sprinkled on top of your... I, uh, I think you're off the Am mark. I? Yeah, we've, we've had the components before. This is where you've got a specific blade component. So where you might have a button or you'd have a, a, a component for a panel or for something like that you would previously have to reference the component as in a similar way that you would with any other uh, view in view. So you'd have to use the period delimited string. What the blade component, component aliases let you do is to specify that the view that lives in components.alert, for example, can be referenced plainly as alert. So rather than having to say uh, using the the what are the, the blade directive at component and then pass in components.alert or whatever, you can just pass in at component alert. So this allows you within, I suppose, a, a service provider to define a list of aliases for these components where you're using them. So it's not, I don't think there's any specific magic directory or anything like that. It's, I mean, you could put the component anywhere you'd like. It's just a matter of then referencing the, uh, the full sort of view location in the component method. 
Okay. So that blade colon colon component component gets pushed into a service provider. Yeah, you put that Got in it. a service provider. So in 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 your app service provider in the boot method, you would have a blade colon colon component and then the the path to the view. So components yep. dot alert. And then you give it as a resources view. Second parameter you give alert. it a name. Yep. Got it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. And then and then when you when you use the component directive inside your blade templates, you could just reference it as alert instead of components. Oh, alert. so close! So it's just short I was so close, Michael. Just <laughs> just a fraction away. As always, um, talking Missed about these things much. on air and trying to understand them while we're talking about them is difficult. So number one, correct. I was mm. wrong, but number two, also this is a difficult conversation to follow, even if I was correct, which I was not. So I would suggest you go take a look at this on laravel-news.com slash laravel-5-6. It's all on there. We're going to blow through these last three things here. So Argon2 password hashing. We're using a new algorithm for password hashing. And done. UUID uh, methods. You have two new methods that are available in the Illuminate support string class for generating un universal unique identifiers. Why would this be helpful, Michael? Uh, generally for obfuscation of your... Uh, internal IDs. So instead of putting your order incrementing integers into URLs, so slash users, slash one or two, slash three, slash four, you'd put in a UUID. It also means that if you're ever in a situation where you're sharding your data across multiple databases, you don't have to worry about collisions between the IDs. You don't have to worry about one database and another database both having the same ID or two, two queries being run at the same time. The UUID will be generated for you uh, in your code and then that allows you to have a, a unique identifier that, that you know is going to be unique irrespective of which server it's running on or when it was created even two two ids generated at the same time should in theory be uh, Correct. Unique. Yep. Universally unique. Yeah. And previously you had to pull in a package to do this. Uh, the default package a lot of people use was, used was Ramsey UUID. Thank you to Ben Ramsey. And so, yeah, this is kind of pulled into the, the, uh, the framework now and uh, you can use, mm -hmm. uh, you can use that instead. So there we go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, lastly was collision. Collision is coming to level five, six as a dev dependency, providing beautiful error reporting in the console. Uh, there's that bootstrap uh, four now has uh, replaced the bootstrap three kind of default settings in uh, in Laravel 5.6. So if you are on the Laravel 5.6 train, you will now be using bootstrap four by default. So good news. Yeah, that is 5.6 in a nutshell. And that took way longer than I thought it was going to take. So those people who skipped ahead four <laughs> times, you probably had to do it maybe six or eight times. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, a few, a few more, more. Yeah. a few more. All right, so what do we got next here? We've got, wow, we've got lots of stuff to talk about here. Why don't you, you can pick the next one. What do you want to talk about? We've got plenty of stuff. Mike Bronner, who is someone that's been around the Laravel community for quite a while and sort of has, has disappeared for a little bit and has been busy with his own things, has resurfaced with a Laravel model caching package. Now, you and I, we've talked about this before where model caching used to exist in the framework in around version four and it was removed in version five for for various reasons but mike has brought this back as a package he's got a video of that up on lara stream which we can link to in the show notes as well um, but essentially it's a package that you pull in you include a trait and it will automatically handle caching results for your database model so where you might have to use cache remember currently to do that 
there is now the ability to to essentially handle this for you automatically. Um, and it's just a matter of, uh, if I'm correct in remembering this, yeah, so it'll handle it all for you automatically. Yep. Self-invalidating relationships, um, it, it'll which is... Self-invalidating yeah. as well, yep. yeah. So if anything changes, if you insert a new record, it will automatically handle invalidating the cache for you as well. So that the next time that you query for data that was previously in the cache, uh, you won't get stale results. Which isn't like terribly difficult to set up, but it is something you'd have to set up every time, like for every new project you do. And it's kind of one mm -hmm. of those things where it's like, it's just complex enough that it's not like super easy to remember all the steps to do it. So you'd end up resorting to like some tutorial or something to be like, what are the things I have to do again? So this just makes it super easy. You just pull in the package and you're done. Yeah. That's yeah. I was watching uh, Chris Fidel's yes. uh, performant yeah. Laravel series yesterday and he covered off this in, in greater detail as well on how you would do it. Um, and he implemented it using a, a decorator pattern style approach. So I think this, I haven't looked under the hood of this code. I think it would be fairly similar, but uh, it's certainly something you can look at this package and of course, Performant Laravel, which we'll link up in the show the, notes. The um, thing that I like about Chris's approach to it is that you can easily turn off that caching for like dev sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. you, he just kind of had a tag in there. Yep. It was like, hey, if I'm in development, don't do caching, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure how easy it is to turn this on or off using this uh, I'm sure you could pull request that pretty easily though. So uh, also of note yeah. is you should use a taggable cache provider like Redis or Memcached. Again, uh, you're able to tag different caches, I guess, in there. So you can clear just a specific tag instead of saying like cache clear and that'll clear everything. Also, if you're yeah. using like Redis or Memcached or something like that for your cache and you say cache clear, by the way, um, that will kill all your sessions. So just FYI, <laughs> don't do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> All your sessions will just drop. I was using this a recently and I was caching some stuff and uh, the cache was getting updated every one or two minutes. I was kind of like warming the cache in the background and I was just like dropping the cache mm -hmm. when I was warming it. And all my users were like, I don't know why I keep getting logged out in the middle of like, they'd be, they'd be modifying <laughs> this form and they would get this uh, invalid token yeah. or like, you know, the CSRF token mm -hmm. was invalid. And they're like, I don't understand why. And I'd have to re-log in. I'm like, what the heck? That was what it was. I was dropping all of this. So I had to <laughs> just say clear just those tags. So yeah, don't do yeah. that. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, what else we got here? Um, let's see. Spark 6 is now available. So for those of you who have needs for creating your own software as a service, this is a great tool that Taylor offers to kind of get you up and running super fast. So that's exactly what Spark is. He brought that out. I think Laracon 2017 is when it first came out. He kind of uh, featured this. So Spark 6.0 is now available and it has some really cool features. So you have localization, so you can easily translate Spark in your preferred language now. It's got per seat pricing. Uh, so it allows you to charge users per team or uh, teams per team member or charge users or teams using a, some custom metrics such as projects created or something like that. So it gives you a lot of flexibility and power when billing your users uh, and can save you quite a bit of time as can the rest of it. Along with that, Bootstrap 4 is uh, now the default. It also comes with a refreshed UI, which includes support for Flexbox and uh, also has Stripe JS 3.0, which is that one single box where you have like the credit card number, mm -hmm. the expiration date, the CVV, et cetera, et cetera. And Stripe Elements is being used to collect payment information. So, so that's that. So of note with that, Anybody who purchased a license on or after November 24th, 2017 will receive Spark 6 for free. And then 
every other customer that has purchased a previous license gets a 50% discount on the license upgrades. And then for anybody who's a new customer, it retains the same pricing as previous releases of Spark. So no increase in, in, mm-hmm. in the amount that it costs. So I think it was $199 for a single license. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's $299 for the unlimited license. And I think it's $99 for memory for the single site license. Uh, so 50% off if you purchase before November 24th last year and uh, free for anyone who's purchased since then. It's a free upgrade. And of course, everyone else... Two ninety nine for the unlimited license and ninety nine for the single site yeah, license. Yeah, so there we go. The UI, the new UI, really does look super clean, super good. Steve Sugar did a lot of work on that. I know David uh, David Hemphill always, not always, but in this particular case, uh, worked on the actual code behind uh, the UI refresh. So it looks really good, really clean. So, props, shout out to those guys. Nicely done. Absolutely. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. It's been a little while since we last spoke on and, and last did the news. So there's been Laravel 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, and okay. 5. Given how long it took us to get through the initial 5, 6, we won't go through everything now. Safe to say that if you are running Laravel 5, 6, you should update to 5.6.5. There was a... a significant-ish fix, I think, that came into that that took care of some issues with Eloquence or Where or the Query Builders or Where. It's also a fix that has been backported to Laravel 5.5. So if you're on Laravel 5.5 still, make sure you upgrade to 5.5.35 to get that fix in your LTS release. Excellent. Thank you for that PSA there. Let's talk about, There's, I mean, there's a number of different kind of tutorials that have been released. I would say that we kind of hit these couple things, which would be Lara Stream. We've already talked about Lara Talent. Five Laravel helpers, helpers to make your life easier. And, okay. Mm-hmm. I want to throw this in here just because Matt Stauffer kind of talked a little bit about this during his talk on uh, Laracon Online. So he talked a little bit about chatbots and the framework that I've used previously that really makes this whole process a lot easier is Botman uh, by uh, Marcel Possier. And so he launched a course recently called Build a Chatbot, which is a step-by-step video course on developing and testing chatbots and voice bots. And uh, he has this framework that he's built. Um, Along with that, he also launched this thing called Botman Playground, which provides a really fast way for you to get started building and debugging your chatbots without having to set up a local dev environment. So when you are setting up a local dev environment, you have to use like ngrok a lot of times, valet share to be able to receive webhooks into your local environment. And it can be kind of difficult to get started with that if you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And so Playground really makes dealing with those things way easier. And it provides an editor in the browser where you can you know, spend your time focusing on building your bot instead of trying to set up your configuration just so. So it gives you really simple instructions for setting up external chat like Facebook or Telegram, which I know Facebook, Matt expressed that it was very frustrating to get started with that. Um, so this kind of gives you really mm-hmm. a, a smooth course to getting that working. But his chatbot course, which is in early access at this at the time uh, of this recording, teaches you how to develop, test, improve a chat, a voice-based bot. And you can get the first 41 lessons, which is three and a half hours of content for free. Whew. I believe, I believe, nice. I believe, I believe. It also gives you access to this Botman Playground, source code to each lesson, lifetime access to all new material that's added. 
And so if you're interested in building a chat bot, I would highly suggest checking this out. It's buildachatbot.io. Thank you, Marcel, for all you do for our community. And uh, if you are interested in getting uh, access to this course, you can go to buildachatbot.io and get early access sign up for that. So it's looks like it's 139, 139. But I'll tell you what, if it's anything that you're interested in, this is the place to go. I have built a bot with this and mm. the syntax and all the work that he's put into it is really pretty incredible. He's done it all for free. You know, up to this point, it's all packages and whatever. I would have easily saved myself $139 worth of time if I would have had this course without a doubt. Um, yeah. So if it's anything you're interested in, it's it's worth, worth it to check this out. Uh, I would highly suggest mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I haven't really had much to do with any of the the bot stuff myself, but I've been sort of following along, uh, along passively with the stuff that Marcel has been doing. And I think if anyone's well positioned to to talk about it, I think it's uh, he's he's pretty much there. He's been very present. He's been very helpful, as as you say, Jake. All of the packages and stuff that he's released to date um, have all been free. So. If you want to figure it out for yourself, definitely check out those packages. If you want to uh, support Marcel with the work that he's done, if you want to be taught how to do these things and, and learn from someone who's built and spent a lot of time on it, then certainly um, check that out. We will link it up in the show notes, of course. Absolutely. All right. Why don't you talk to us about uh, LaraStream? This is uh, a thing that's kind of come out in the community community recently. It's something I still need to get started with, but why don't you talk to us about it just for a minute here? Yeah, uh, LaraStream actually sponsored our, our previous interview episode with Ian Landsman. But what LaraStream is, is it, think Twitch, but specifically for Laravel development. So, you know, you go onto Twitch and it's all kinds of different things. It's gaming, it's coding, it's whatever else you can, you know, you can use YouTube to do that kind of stuff as well. But LaraStream is really trying to extend the, the Laravel community specifically and, and provide a place to learn about Laravel. So in the same way that Jeffrey Way and Laracast teaches us as a community about using the framework and things around it, LaraStream is a good place for individual developers, anyone really, to live stream what they're working on if they've got problems that they want to share how they solved if they're building a new package if they want to share how they write code if they just want you know some feedback as i mentioned mike bronner has got a series on there where he's gone through this um model caching package so you know the, the laravel community has always been quite close it's always been quite good at sharing things through blog posts and everyone's really uh, supportive of each other on Twitter and things like that. Having another way of interacting with other Laravel developers, of of sharing the things that you're working on, on helping each other out. You know, if someone's on a live stream and you've got five or ten minutes to sit and listen and maybe help them if they get stuck, um, it's a good place to do it. So it's it's been growing. Um, there was a, there was a handful of users when I when I used it for the first time. Uh, it's super easy to get up and running if you are wanting to do some live streaming. You need to install a bit of software uh, on your computer, but there's some instructions on how to get up and running with that on the site as well. So thanks very much to Jordan Dalton, who's been responsible for getting this all up and running. He's been super receptive to feedback from the community that's there already. He's been really 
um, eager in getting things up and running. So uh, it would be cool to see how this sort of grows and expands in the coming weeks and months and, and hopefully years. Yeah, which Jordan Dalton, by the way, I was looking up a little bit about Jordan Dalton. Seems like a really solid stand-up guy. Mm. Yeah, I was. I need to look him up on Twitter real quick. Yeah, I've been having some conversations with him over the last few weeks, and and I I, I haven't seen him around the community personally, but he he seems like a really nice guy. As I said, super humble. Uh, he's wanting to offer mentoring as well. He's got a couple of people that he's spoken about that he's mentoring through you know Lara Stream and things like that. So. I think it's a nice place to get involved yep. in. Involved in uh, Vets Who Code. Looks like he's been doing this stuff for a while. So, yeah, really cool guy. So mm. go uh, check him out on Twitter, Jordan K. Dalton on Twitter, and sign up for Laristream. Yeah, I'm on there now as well. I have got to get some actual streams going on there. But he had mentioned as well, like, the ability to stream, like, live stream your podcast recordings and stuff. So I thought that maybe maybe be something we could look into doing in the future as well. Just kind of support that. Be cool. All right. What's the last thing we got here? I think we had five Laravel helpers to make your life easier. Actually, two things. Let's talk about Polo Code Mm -hmm. real quick. Have you seen this kind of popping up around the community a little bit recently? I have. I have seen it pop up. Tell us a little bit about it. So, like, you know, the big thing is like these hot tips (laughs) on Twitter or whatever, where somebody says like, "Hey, this is this little piece of code that I've been working on," and they post a little fire emoji, right? And it's like, "Hot tip, do this." Well, Polo Code mm-hmm. is a VS Code plugin that makes it really easy for you to uh, do screenshots from your editor. So you basically type in what you want to type in, and then you use this use this little plugin, and you can define what font you want to use, what color theme you want to use, what the font site is supposed to be. Uh, then it just creates this nice little image for you to take uh, of that piece of code and upload it to Twitter and use it. So it looks like it's pretty seamless. A lot of people have been using it recently and it looks really nice. So you should check that out. Polo code, P-O-L-A-C-O-D-E, Pola code. Then five Laravel helpers to make your life easier. Uh, Give a quick shout out to Mr. Chris Gamir who wrote this one. He is a uh, personal friend and wrote a really great article here. Michael, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. If if you've been around the Laravel community for any measure of time, you would have come across at least some of the helpers. So whether it's the route helper, if you've seen something like a bought if in the code around the place, there there is heaps and heaps of these available as part of the framework. So what Chris has done is he has distilled into a post on Laravel News the top five. So here's five favorite ones. We won't go through them specifically because there are some in-depth examples and explanations of how each works. Um, but his top five, and if if you'd like to contribute to the discussion, feel free to, to hit us up on Twitter, of course. But his top five are the data underscore get, the string underscore plural, the route method, the abort underscore if, and the optional helper. So all of these are super useful. I may or may not have got myself into a bit of back and forth on Twitter with regards to the data get. Um, <laughs> but other than that, these are these are all really, really helpful. I use pretty much all of these except for the optional helper in most of my day-to-day code. But they're always popping up these helper functions in, in the framework. It pays to, in your editor of choice, pull up your search tool and look for helpers.php. There's one in I think Illuminate support namespace. There's also one in the Illuminate foundation namespace, two different helpers files. 
where there's there's a whole heap of these that that can be very useful in various different situations yeah i also use uh dash to pull these up really easily so if you use dash at all which is like a mm-hmm. doc download sort of local version of uh documentation uh, you can just go to helpers on there and it has all of these listed out yeah i use that all the time so data get or data get uh this is very similar to the array get if you've ever used array get uh, the difference being that you can use data get for both objects and arrays, I think. I think that's the only difference. Yeah. So it doesn't care whether you pass a an object or a array into it. It will figure out what it is and then return from that input using dot notation the underlying value for you. And it obviously, uh, not obviously, and it also lets you specify a default so if there is no value there you can get it to return null or na or even an ampersand dash uh, you know an n dash or an m dash depending on where you're referencing or you can pass a closure which is my favorite part of that so like if you use array get Mm. or data get as a third argument you can pass a closure uh, as your default which you can like perform some things so like Mm -hmm. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll use like an array get and then as a third at per, third parameter, I'll, I'll pass a closure that throws an exception. So if, for example, I'm expecting one of these five options, I can say array get and provide me whatever comes back. And if there's nothing that comes back there, I'll say function, throw new exception, you know, invalid argument, whatever. So that's kind of cool mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Nice. Uh, the other one that I really like on here is optional. So Jeffrey Way talked about this not too long ago, but it's... It's really handy, super, super handy. Chris does a good job of explaining it in his post, so I won't go into super detail here, but it's ideal when you use objects that you might not own or you're calling nested data within an eloquent relationship that may or may not exist. Um, Mm -hmm. It really gets you around some hairy-looking stuff and really replaces it with a very nice-looking syntax. So I would suggest checking that one out too. Yeah. Cool. Do we have anything else? I think think that's it. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to episode 56-2, episode 56, part two. If you like the show, feel free to rate us up in uh, iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is always appreciated. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at our personal Twitter accounts or at Laravel News. Show notes for this episode will be at laravel-news.com slash 56. Nope, 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 wrong. Level-news.com slash podcast slash 56. Maybe 56 2. That'll be at 57. Maybe 57. It'll be at 57. (laughs) Probably at 57. So there we go. That's it. It's 11.40. That didn't take too long. It was like maybe, let's see. How long were we? 45. 45 minutes. There we go. We got it. We got through it. (laughs) Um, Any interest? It's only 20 minutes. There we go. Any interesting anecdotes for us, Michael? To sign us off with any no, funny jokes i do i've been working from home for most of this week i got i was sent home because i got to work on wednesday and the ladies room flooded into my office it saturated the carpet they luckily we share a building with a carpet cleaning business so they oh, were no in way. very How quickly convenient. to sort of yeah they were they were in very quickly to get rid of the excess water which was very nice and uh then they had to put some some giant fans in and some uh, dehumidifiers in to draw the moisture, moisture out of the carpet and we couldn't run the air conditioner and the office smelled like diesel. <laughs> so they said, please come home today. And then we got an email on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, 
look, don't come in for the rest of the week because they have to run the fans in there 24 seven, can't run the air conditioner. It's supposed to be quite warm. It's currently 31 Celsius, so about 80 Fahrenheit. So yeah, I've been I've been working from home, getting quite a bit done. It's nice to not be interrupted. Uh, but yeah, I got home and then I went to the gym Wednesday night after I finished up. And as I left for work, we discovered that there was a burst water main in my street. So this uh, these water They're issues following are following you. Me it's true. I know. It's a little bit scary. Yeah, it's a little bit scary. All right. Well, everyone, I am getting tired, more and more tired by the minute. I'm an old man these days. You know, my kid, my youngest isn't sleeping great. I'm not sure if he's teething or what, but oh my word, Mm -hmm. I was up like four or five times last night. And it's so much like the stereotypical like TV version of like putting a kid to sleep where you get him to sleep and you rock him for like 20 more minutes and then you go put them down. And they're totally fine. And you've got your hands on your kind of like just rubbing their back or whatever. And then you like leave and you walk out the room and you just barely close the door and click and baby's awake. Oh my word. And yeah. You're just ready to lose your mind. Sounds like something for yep. me to look for. That was my life last night. And so I'm tired. So I'm going to go hit the hay. Thank you everybody for listening, for tuning in. We will talk to you in a couple of weeks. See you. Bye.